Hey everyone, Omar Kadrad here, co-host of the Self-Centered Podcast. This is a special episode. We urgently came together to do something that we're just not seeing enough of, if at all. And that's constructive dialogue between American Muslims, American Jews, and American Christians as the war in Israel and Gaza increases in intensity and becomes protracted. We brought together Muslims, Jews, and Christians for this episode that actually disagree with one another on very important things. And the reason why we did that is because we hope that we can serve as an example of friends that come together who have different perspectives, Muslims, Jews, and Christians in the United States of America, and who could leave that kind of a conversation and still be friends. Rabbi Abraham Cooper is a national American Jewish leader. He's a leader at the Simon Wiesenthal Center and Museum of Tolerance. He's currently the chairman of the U.S. Commission for International Religious Freedom. That's a commission that was established by Congress with members that are appointed by presidents of both parties. Reverend Johnny Moore is a national evangelical Christian leader. He's president of the Congress of Christian Leaders. He's a former commissioner on the U.S. Commission for International Religious Freedom. Rabbi Cooper and Reverend Moore have traveled the world and continue to travel the world extensively, engaging with heads of state, including Christian, Jewish, and Muslim heads of state, for the purpose of advancing the cause of religious freedom everywhere, for everybody. They don't just meet with presidents and prime ministers of countries, though. They go to very dangerous places and speak with ordinary people and persecuted people, putting their own lives at risk. These are very special people. We disagree on a number of things, but we brought everybody together with, of course, Kaser Rita, co-host of this podcast. You all know him from CBS's Big Brother, and he's a tech executive. We have to continue to maintain a distinction between the Middle East and the United States of America in terms of how we engage each other. We also have to be mindful right now that our media and social media is rife with propaganda that is financed by America's enemies and that that propaganda is designed to tear us apart from each other right now. It's our responsibility as faith leaders to step up even on days like today. Especially in times like this, um, I just want to know where we're going. We got to, first of all, we got to be there for each other right now. Those who believe in humanity, who are on the side of humanity, we got to be there for each other. This is a prime moment for very, very strong leaders to step up and say, we'll become part of the solution, not part of the problem. This predates October 7th. This will post-date after God willing Hamas is destroyed and we're left with us. Orthodox, uh, Reform, and everybody else in between. And I think that all of the speakers did uh, did register it. This is um, a very tough time. Um, we're having this conversation before the invasion, probably of northern uh, Gaza, uh, takes place. The Israelis, unlike Hamas, gave four or five days urging, begging people to get out. Half a million people have but many others, you know, can. So um, we know in all likelihood the tide's gonna change in the next few days in terms of public relations. But I think the key thing of why it was so important for someone like Omar to be at our event is that um, you have almost this push, bush, push button effect. Saturday you have an event, three days later there are 
pro-Hamas events uh, in seven or eight major universities. Uh, you know, dozens of organizations write a letter from Harvard blaming Israel, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that is meant uh, to further enrage and further anger, uh, but it also indicates um, a high level of sophistication, high level of organization. In my whole opinion, what we have right now that's evolving on campuses might be a national security risk because it's not just about Jews. It is about, do we know the Iranians and to a certain extent probably ISIS been involved with this whole effort? It'll be continue. Hezbollah is chomping at the bit in the north. Um, you know, Omar knows about these groups uh, a lot better than we do from the civilian side. But, uh, you know, to, to just sort of give it a context for me, in my, in my own work, I'm also the chair of the United, United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, is that um, the Abraham Accords proved something to us Omar and people like him have proved something to us, which we, I think, instinctively knew but didn't know how to activate. There is absolutely no reason for the sons of Abraham to be fighting with each other. And for those who don't, who see it that way but are frustrated, it's our responsibility as faith leaders to step up, even on days like today, and to say, let's not play this by the narrative of the enemy. And I hate going on Twitter, I'll tell you, um, because it's just sometimes it's just a lot of bad people saying a lot of bad things. And it, there isn't aren't, there aren't any checks and balances. You know, it's it makes me sad and it makes me think about how we're much better than this. And going back to the fact that we're all from the Abrahamic faith. Um, one of the things that I when I look at that and I see us as as men who believe in our faiths. I ask myself, no wonder people step away from God as a duty, you know, to, to, to God, to the Abrahamic faiths. It's like, how the hell did we get here? Honestly, it's infuriating. And it makes me so sad. Um, I don't think there should be any excuse for anyone brutalizing one another, especially not in the name of God, because we are giving people the ticket for an off-ramp to move away from faith. You know, and I think it's our duty uh, to prevent that from happening. I think first and foremost, I think that should be the, the biggest objective. Um, and I do truly believe we came from the same place. I think there are certain people that don't, you know, they'll just, it's all lip service, but I do believe we came from the same place. And I think there's, there's a lot of love because of that. I'd like to use that as a starting point. I'd like to remind ourselves of that first and foremost. I know there's a lot of hurt. Um, and I don't want this to be some washed out, you know, kumbaya moment. This is not what this is about. Um, I want us to be honest. That, that, is, that is truly where, where I'm coming from. Let me, um, first of all, just say a couple things about Reverend Johnny Moore and Rabbi Cooper. Um, we don't see each other that often, but I consider them to be a couple people who I feel very close to, as I do with you. And the reason why I not just called for this, basically forced you guys to have this conversation this quickly um, is we got to, first of all, we got to be there for each other right now. Those who believe in humanity, who are on the side of humanity, um, 
we got to be there for each other. Uh, and we got to have a candid conversation because right now the moral compass is quickly being eviscerated in the discourse. Um, confusion is ensuing. Uh, what about ism, two sidedism, subjectivity, subjectivism is creeping into every part of this. Uh, I agree that getting into um, minutia is not necessarily what this is about, but I think that right now having Muslims, prominent Jews and prominent Christians come together for a conversation is what we need. Uh, if we don't get on the same page about everything, people got to see that that's okay. But there are some specific things that I'm just going to lay down as what my views are. And um, I'm going to ask Reverend Moore to, to jump in. Um, I worked in counterterrorism for quite a long time, and people could say that that's, that gives me a bias. Um, I'm a reserve officer in the US, US Army, but my views and my ethos and my, um, my vision predated those choices in terms of what I got into. It actually led me to them. I really think we need all terrorist networks destroyed because I do view them substantially as the cause of so much human suffering. And I, and I understand that the game is much bigger than that and we're not naive to that. We know that there are state sponsors of terrorism. We know that this is not an organic Palestinian movement that just appeared out of nowhere fully resourced. If you and me or me and Rabbi Cooper or Johnny decided we're gonna engage in some type of civilian warfare, that costs so much money. You know how much it would cost just for us to, first of all, not be working you have buying a weapon, buying ammo, buying like communications equipment, compasses and all that stuff. This is not happening organically. So Hamas is controlled by Iran. They're turned on and off like a light switch. This is not an organic Palestinian movement. They have started to make it that over time with a very sophisticated, well-resourced program um, that is externalizing a global terrorist agenda to destabilize the world and putting different flags and different ethnicities and different faces on it. And unfortunately, Palestinians are just one because it's happening in Yemen, it's happening in Lebanon, it's happening in Afghanistan, it's happening everywhere. And there are competing state sponsors of terrorism as well. So I know that the game is bigger, but I care about American Muslims. So I wanna bring this home too, because I don't want this to, just to sound like a DC think tank conversation where we're talking about what agreement could have happened and what didn't and what have you. You see what's happening in America. What happens in the Middle East influences what happens everywhere in the world in such an outsized way that what I care about first and foremost is the United States of America and the American people and protecting and insulating our nation from the disgusting status quo that the rest of the world is trying to live in. And obviously you have heroes who are trying their hardest to fight against it, but some of those state sponsors are just too powerful and overwhelming. Um, American Muslims deserve to be liberated from the ideology that keeps chasing us everywhere in the world, no matter where we are, from that same region that's heavily well-resourced it's, it's very well financed, it's sophisticated. The Muslim mind is something that these networks and these state sponsors of terrorism are after. I would say if you could quantify it per capita, the Muslim mind has the highest dollar amount 
in terms of indoctrination seeking everywhere in the world. They are after us. Like they will not let us have any identity other than conflating political military conflicts, contemporary ones in this era, in this tiny region in the world with your Muslim identity. So I do want to keep this about the moral compass, but I just say those things because I want us to be able to transcend because we're looking at, sometimes Americans are looking at issues through a straw. This predates October 7th. This will post-date after, God willing, Hamas is destroyed, and we're left with us. You know, without taking a further deep dive into, you know, the two sides, I think it is important you talk about organic or inorganic. The Palestinian Authority is now committing, based on the law that they, is, that they insist on following, let's say after 1,500 Hamas fighters killed, that's nearly $3 million for the families. They have a pay-to-slay-Jews law in the Palestinian Authority, meaning that the division of labor is Hamas goes out and does its deed, and then if someone's caught or is uh, killed in action, that's going to get them on the highest level of monthly stipends for the Palestinian Authority, even for people who may be blind or have other legitimate reasons to be helped by the state. So that no matter where you look in the organism that is the Palestinian territories, Palestinian Authority, call it Pal whatever it's called, um, it's very difficult for the normals to act openly and to promote a normal agenda that will bring prosperity to a group of people. Which normals are you talking about? You're talking about the Palestinians? Palestinians? I, I have, yeah, I'm gonna, there are plenty of Look, them. I'm going to say something they about have, that. And they don't have access to the levers of decision-making, of power, of media. And if they're doing good things for other Palestinians, let's say in business, they almost have to hide it. I'm going to say how, something about that's, that. Unfortunately, that's how whacked it is right now. How many Iraqis were killed to dispel ISIS from their society? How many Afghans were killed fighting the Taliban and Al-Qaeda? I'll give you just one stat. In the final four years of the previous Afghan government existing, over 40,000 Afghan National Security Forces were killed fighting networks like ISIS-K and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We, you have to have skin in the game. If you are in a society and the destiny of your children is not just threatened, it is commandeered, you do have a choice. And I am not calling for more violence, of course not. But what I am saying is when terrorist networks are growing in strength, everybody's got to be in the fight. And so I, I, I hear you, Rabbi Cooper, but right. everybody's got to be in the fight. i throw one more monkey wrench in it because you alluded to it. The one thing you didn't have back then is what's actually the engine of, of a lot of what's going on, and that's social media, whether it's Telegram, TikTok, uh, the young people. I mean, we, we see it. Every, we saw it building. We didn't know where it was heading. Um, a video, how-to videos, how to kill some, you know, stab someone so they, they uh, will, uh, the blood will empty from their body before someone can come and help them, et cetera, et cetera. That cesspool has really taken hold of young people, maybe different 
uh, kinds of cultural things happening all over the world, but for young Palestinians and Israeli citizens who are Arab, youngsters, they're being barraged 24-7 like no one has ever been barraged on any idea, in, basically in history. And I call on their fathers to protect them from it and everything else. Uh, I, I think let's get Reverend Moore in here. Just one, just one point. I think on the matter of like taking matters into your own hands, I mean, we saw with the Taliban and with Saddam Hussein, I mean, they have been around for so many years. Um, the Iraqis couldn't do anything about it. So I think it's, it's easier, so, you know, it's easier said than done. I think it's, it's, it's not that simple when there's kind of an apparatus already in place um, to just simply say, you know, get rid of them. I, I think, I think, you know, having spoken to many of my Palestinian friends, um, it is it is well known that there's a, a a level of corruption with the PLO and with with I, I don't know anyone who knows Hamas, but you know I don't know anybody who likes them. Um, and I think, like you mentioned when we first started, Hamas, uh, the election of Hamas was uh, sort of a um, a reversal or a protest of the corruption of the PLO. And maybe people sort of got more that, than what they bargained for. I would argue that this has been uh, a nice to have for the hardline uh, you know, government of Netanyahu, right? It creates a common enemy. It's a very easy to point at Hamas and go, these guys are horrible people and we can you know, certainly rally around that. So having them in place over the course of the last 15 years has been uh, a little, you know, it's a nice to have, right, at the end of the day. My main concern is, I think we can all agree, there's corruption with the PLO. Hamas is bad. We got to get rid of them. Hopefully they do. One way or another. And arguably, um, you know, Israel is resourced to do those things. It has been. Um, what is not helping the situation is the approach that we've taken against the Palestinians, not within Israel, but outside of Israel. I think it's important to address this issue um, that they don't have their own resources. They're confined to these conditions that are absolutely miserable, uh, essentially imprisoned. Um, and so I would say that it doesn't make Jewish people in Israel safer is my point. And I think there would probably be people, certain people in Israel that would agree with this sentiment. I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm saying we need to do a better job, full circle, 360 degrees, even with policy. Yes, fine, we can address, there are state-sponsored terrorists around the world and we need to say something about that. I agree with you, this is important. But our own policies, whether it be ones in the United States, whether the ones that you know, India takes, whether the ones that Iran takes, I think policies matter on how people live their daily lives. And so for us to negate what is happening to the Palestinian people, at the end of the day, we can sit here and talk about Hamas until we're blue in the face, fine. I hope they go away. And in fact, if we need to bring an international, in the international community, whether it be you know, Arabs, or otherwise, who can go in and say, let's implement international law and, and protect both sides, of the, both sides of the equation to ensure that this bloody stops. I just have to make an observation about um, who is, is the question, right? Because you're talking about we, but the question is who. And I think, the United, just take, I think the United States let's, has Let's a, just take count to date. Let's just look at the situation right now. Who's 
letting Palestinians into their country? Which Muslim country is letting Palestinians into? I don't even. I, I, I honestly don't even know if the Palestinians. Are I think. To I think the the policies of regions matter a lot too. Uh, don't get me wrong. I my views are well known in terms of United States policy, but it's we're not the only ones. Um, there's. Is Jordan letting any Palestinians in? Is Lebanon? Is Egypt? Name one Muslim country that's letting I, I, Palestinians I think, in. I think half of so Jordan is Palestinian. I, I just mean that we don't control all of policy. And in terms of just like the Syrian refugees, I remember you know talking about this um, at the time. The conversation was all about Europe and America. What are the Muslim countries doing? And the answer is nothing. Um, I'm gonna. I, I just wanted to kind of point out that. The, the truth is that lots of Muslims talk about Palestinians, lots of Muslims express sentiment about Palestinians, and lots of those same Muslims don't care about Palestinians in reality, and they do not, and it's evidenced by not lifting a finger I think for Palestinians. A, I think and so I think they're a tool. I think Palestinians are unfortunately one of the most unfortunate pawns and tools of multiple governments, including Iran, like I said, um, I don't want this to descend into like a, I said that at the outset, I don't want it to descend into a regional political I, 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 debate. I, I, and I'm sorry for doing that. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I, I want to stop and ask Reverend Moore I think we should, yes. to, to jump in here. I, I think it's important to, um, to have truth as the barometer of this, of this conversation. And uh, for me, uh, I'm, I am absolutely enraged over what I've seen in the last week for all kinds of reasons. I can list those reasons um, that they, they relate to um, elderly Holocaust survivors uh, being, being targeted, children uh, being targeted, uh, a grotesque act of incomprehensible terrorism targeting the most vulnerable for the purpose of targeting the most vulnerable. I, I, I'm enraged by all of that as someone who believes that every, every human being was made in the image of God. I hate war. I hate it. I hate everything that war, that everything that war brings. I don't even like criticizing people. Okay. It's like not in my disposition. I am, I am wired to bring people together. There are lots of reasons why I'm angry over, over the last, over the last week. Uh, one of the primary reasons why I'm angry is because one of the motivating factors for for this terrorist attack, which is what it was, and we can we can come back to the, the the what has happened since then in a minute. But one of the motivating factors of this terrorist attack is we were moving towards peace again in the Middle East. And it was, Days before the terrorist attack, Hamas issued a statement saying that they were going to sabotage uh, the peace between Israel and the kingdom of, of, of Saudi Arabia. Uh, the Iranian Ayatollah sitting in Tehran a few days before this attack uh, spends his energy issuing threats um, related to Saudi Arabia, to Israel, and to the United States of America. So within the backdrop of this horrific terrorist attack, which is... Uh, which we we cannot look away from. There is no no no. I, I, there is never an excuse for this type of depravity uh, that we witness in front of our eyes. And I forced myself to watch it, uh, including including videos I wasn't supposed to watch. And yeah, at the very very heart of it, at the very heart of it, it was an attempt to divide the children of Abraham, 
to, to sabotage peace. And we have a couple of obligations. The first one is to tell the truth. The second one is especially to tell the truth to our own communities. I've done a lot of that in the last week when I saw the World Evangelical Alliance and the patriarchs of the of the of the Christian churches um, in 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 the state of Israel um, refuse to call Hamas a terrorist organization or to or uh, to to tiptoe around um, what happened what happened last Saturday uh, in 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 Israel. I feel like I have an obligation, as much as I hate it, as someone that wants to bring people together, to to speak truth to my own to my own community. But I also know the reason why my own community, the World Evangelical Alliance, the patriarchs and the heads of churches in Jerusalem, the part they can't say out loud is they know that they can criticize the state of Israel, even by the way they carefully word their statements, and they're going to be just okay. But if they criticize Hamas, if they call out these acts of terror, then the very, very small and declining Arab Christian population will once again be under be under threat. Because this is what we saw. What we saw was ISIS. That's what we saw. We didn't see the legitimate aspirations of the Palestinian people. We, we see the Palestinian people being abused and used uh, by these groups. And that angers me it angers me to the core to the core of my being and and i i don't deny the fact that to be a palace to be to be a palestinian in the in the west bank or to be a palestinian in gaza or in some other far-flung country around the world is uh, many in, in most circumstances a horrific horrific life but i think we have to ask ourselves who's responsible for that horrific, horrific life that many of them, many of them are experiencing. And a key part of the responsibility dwells in the international community. A key part of it does. The fact that we have curriculum paid for by the United States of America and the European Union that incites hatred against these, against these communities. Like that's a big, that's a big deal. And and it is not business as usual anymore in this in this part of the world. And so, at the at the very very beginning, we have to we have to have sort of a baseline of truth, and we have to do it together. And doing it together means um, that we that we speak the truth to our own own communities, and we speak the truth about the the own our own situation about about the actual situation. And to do that as uh, as people who are Jewish, Muslim, and and Christian. Uh, is a dagger in the heart of 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 those who want to use terror um, to advance what is a political agenda. And the last thing, the last thing I'll say is I see it. Another thing that enrages me is while while a terrorist organization like Hamas, because this is, in, in my opinion, this is not about the Palestinians and the Israelis. This is about Hamas an Iran-backed terrorist organization that the international community has lived in, in willful uh, denial of for since it, it not only it was elected, but since it was founded in the, in the, in the Second Intifada. This is not between Israel and the Palestinians. We empower Hamas and we empower Iran when we say this is about Israel and the Palestinians. This is about Hamas, an Iran-backed terrorist organization that chose to kill Israelis. 
and the most grotesque ways in possible, one can possibly imagine. And the other thing that enrages me about it, they didn't just kill Israelis. They killed people from 43 countries. Some of them were, were dual citizens. They killed 50 Bedouins. They killed a Muslim ambulance driver who came to rescue people. And they killed him, and then they stole, they stole his ambulance. I mean, these, these are things that we, we have to say with all of our might, with all of our might. We have to speak these, these, these truths, because if we don't speak these truths, in my opinion, um, it only elongates the challenge of, of, of being a Palestinian in, in, in the Middle East. And the scale and the brutality of this ISIS, ISIS-like attack cannot be looked away from, and you can't quickly flip, flip the page. You know, to the to the same rhetoric and the same and the same divide, and it's it's a different. This is a different thing that we're talking talking about talking about now. And every it seems to me everybody went to their. There was an initial period of outrage, and then people went to their bookshelf. Activists went to the bookshelf and they pulled the they pulled the. How do we respond to the latest escalation between the Israelis and the Palestinians? That's not what this is. This is something altogether different. First of all, thank you so much for that. I want to I want to kind of just jump on one of the things that you said. I love, I love the outrage that you're feeling, and and I feel it too. And um, I think we absolutely should talk to our communities, you know. And I think we have to make it very clear. Like even in Islam, we have to make it very clear. You know, there are rules of conduct. There are rules of conduct with your between husband and wife. There's rules of conduct within your communities. There's rules of conduct when you break bread with each other. There's rules of conduct for when you decide to take another person's life. And uh, and nowhere in Islam, and I I know a lot of the sort of uh, those who hate Islam on Twitter will will probably try to refute this. Uh, You cannot conduct yourself this way. It is not okay. Let's just make that very clear. no matter, you know, you say, well, what about this and what about that? I think we can both, what about this till the world comes to an end? And um, I think that's not productive. And so I think first and foremost, you're absolutely right. Let's speak truth to our communities. There are rules of engagement. And I think you will never be blessed if you conduct yourself in a certain way, if you do not follow your own rules, no matter how wrong do you feel, that's first and foremost. Um, I think I think there are, and then, then secondarily, I think there are a lot of things that I think are giving oxygen to this. I think some of it is international. I think some of it's domestic. We need to make sure that we come correct and we, I think, put human beings first. I think we've got to restore humanity. As religious figures, you have to restore humanity to the equation at the end of the day. And I don't care what your background is and, and what your faith is, and I think we should be coming together in unison. And I think the international community should come and play a role. They should come back, back into the equation and say, what are we going to do about this? This land is, is holy for all of us. We look at this and we, we think about uh, the most amazing things. So that's what I think of. I don't want to see bloodshed. Uh, I don't want to see people displaced anymore. I don't want to see people living in fear anymore. You know, uh, like Rabbi Cooper mentioned earlier, you, you know, about um, Israeli families having lost, being wiped out. I, I'm on, I'm on chat threads where, you know, I'm, I have to, it is gut wrenching to have to hear about how Palestinian families are being wiped out. But who's wiping them out? 
These are Israeli bombs that but fell why on... why are the bombs falling? I... Who created the... Fa you know, I have friends in Steyrot, which, of course, now is a completely ruined community, just across the... I they, agree. And people... But I've, I've been in their homes where they said, you know, just a few years ago, we used to do our shopping for Shabbat in Jabalia and Gaza City because the prices were better, the produce was fresher, we would drive the three kilometers... We had friends there, and why, that fence that went up was a Hamas fence. The bombs that are going to drop inevitably in northern Gaza and are going to kill also civilians, who forced the civilians to stay there? And, you know, I'm listening, and I understand we all want to get to that space, but what you need to understand where the Jewish world is right now, last Saturday was the single largest day in terms of a casualty count and in terms of the horrors against the Jewish people since the Nazi Holocaust. Indeed, you know, we're named after Simon Wiesenthal, the famous Nazi hunter. A lot of his work was made even more difficult because the Nazis worked feverishly to cover up evidence, as many of today's um, uh, crimes against humanity, including in China, the, the perpetrators don't want to advertise it. Hamas was live streaming it. So uh, it, to get from here to there, Israelis know better than anyone else. They're, the people who understand them the best are Palestinians because they're still neighbors. They live in one, basically in, in one location. But you have to understand the impact and the savagery of 40 you know, infants mass murdered on purpose being targeted that way, not as collateral damage. This is something, as, as uh, Reverend Moore pointed out, there's something different about this. And I think the, the um, idea that one can just turn the page, and there's just one other thing about this outdoor prison, um, Again, I guess I'm old. You know, I'm older than everybody else here. So I remember in 2005, when Israel's great warrior Ariel Sharon, who was vilified by the Arab world, woke up one morning and said, "We're going to make an experiment. Hopefully, it's going to help build peace. I'm going to force nearly nine million Israelis living in small communities in the Gaza Strip to leave. They're out. We are going to give the keys back to this." Uh, uh, area to the local population, and that included the keys to hothouses and all kinds of interesting things that were going on for agriculture. Was that in 2005? Yeah. And what happened? Well, all of that stuff was destroyed. Um, and then uh, with that vacuum that was left, eventually you had elections and the protest vote against the corruption of the PA, in comes Hamas. So from the point of view of the Israelis, they pulled out to the border where these 11 communities right now were, were targeted uh, by, in the Hamas attack and basically said, okay, here you go, you're in charge, let's make this work. And they had the errors crossing, and I'll tell you one other story which just comes back to me now. Um, a couple of years later, I went on the same day to two places. One was the errors crossing, which by then was complicated about, because you had to go through, uh, I think it was like around the World Cup, and there were like 5,000 TV sets that were going into the Gaza Strip so they could watch it. 
but it took a lot of time to go through each of the vehicles in order to release it, and occasionally there would be some, you know, um, uh, shooting. That afternoon, I went to the West Bank. This was fascinating. There's a place where all of the, I guess, the 18-wheelers, between the Palestinian business folk and the Israeli business folk, they'd have to come through there. Well, by the time I got there, there were no one in uniform. The French had donated some sort of new kind of... Uh, of radar to zip through uh, the thing. And these trucks were in and out and doing business within a matter of 15 minutes, no troops, no barbed wire, no, no nothing. Uh, it's basically, we've seen a lot in, in, uh, in the Gulf and elsewhere. If it's up to people who are in business, leave them alone and get out of the way. They're, they're less, uh, but I saw the difference between uh, what was going on in the West Bank and what was going on on the, on the uh, exchange border, actually two locations, uh, between Israel, Israeli sovereign territory and, uh, and, um, uh, the, and Gaza. Why isn't there a proper port today in Gaza? Why isn't there an airport today in Gaza? Do you need any more proof than what you've just seen? No, I, I don't if, disagree. If the normals will be allowed to take over, if UNRWA will be shut down, give the Palestinians an opportunity for a couple of years to do their own thing without UNRWA, okay? And let them try agree? to, let's try to build a society. But to let's... get past that, you have to get past, on the one hand, the, the generational uh, brainwashing of young Palestinians on the one hand, and the just fundamental corruption of the Palestinian Authority on the other. I, if I had an answer to these problems, I would have put it on the table. But that's the snapshot. Okay, can I can I jump in just real quick because we have I haven't seen this conversation take place in the middle of all this chaos, and I see a massive opportunity for us here, Reverend Johnny Moore, Rabbi Abraham Cooper, and Muslim Coalition for America, and so I want to take. Johnny up on speaking the truth to our communities and identifying a place where we can say that we have a common moral compass. In terms of speaking to your own community, I'm gonna take Johnny up on that. Lots of people are not gonna like what I have to say, but I guarantee you that there are millions of Muslims in America that are going to agree with me who will not say anything because they're punished and I, I empathize with them. They, they're not public figures. They haven't done things like run for Congress. They haven't been a reality TV star like you. They're not the chairman of the U.S. Commission for International Religious Freedom. And there's a social credit system now that if you say the thing that is unpopular, you're going to have um, consequences attached. And that's just me saying that I empathize with people who don't want to jump in. But at the same time, I think at minimum, and this is where I'm going, if you feel as a Muslim that you're afraid to condemn in the clearest possible terms Hamas, then all I could say to you is you've lost your way. Because as Muslims, it's also an obligation to speak the truth. And there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever to endorse this. What's worse is I am seeing the normalization among American Muslims 
who are endorsing what Hamas is doing. Some of them don't have the guts to do it. It's they're they're not condemning Hamas. They'll weigh in on the issue. They'll talk about it. They'll it'll just sound like Israel has dehumanized Palestinians for so many years and so forth, and that essentially implies that Hamas's actions are justified. That's how I'm taking it. And if that's not how I'm supposed to take it, then I'm asking, I shouldn't, I, I don't think anybody needs to request clarity. You know, there are people who are talking about this issue from our, for hours, American Muslims, you know, people on YouTube and so forth, who will not just say that what Hamas did is disgusting and un-Islamic. Obviously, the, the four of us do. You know, we, we oppose Hamas, we oppose terrorism, we oppose all of these things. And yet there isn't this, this space for these, uh, these types of conversations because it is important, critically important, for uh, someone like me to better understand what it feels like, propagandized or not, to be a Palestinian in the, in the, in the, you know, in the Gaza Strip. Um, and it's important for, um, for Muslims all around the world and others who care about human rights to, to put themselves in the shoes of, of the state of Israel and Jews all over the world, watching this horrible anti-Semitism that just eru erupted on Sunday. Okay. On Sunday. I mean, I, I, I it, it was, it, it just started erupting on Saturday afternoon. Okay. When there was, and and I just like, what is, what is Israel supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? What is the world supposed to do in, in, a, in, a, in a circumstance like, like, like this? And, and I think um, it, is, it, is, it is critically, critically uh, in, important for all of us to recognize that whatever everyone thought Hamas was before, and I think it's the same Hamas, we know what Hamas is now. Hamas is ISIS. That's what it, that's what it is now. And these various forms of extremism that, in my opinion, are political and they're not not religious to begin with. Um, and if you don't know your religion, then politics can behave very much like uh, like like religion. Uh, you will always have these like these bad actors that that fill the gap. And if you're sitting in the in in right now, I mean, while we're having while we're having this conversation, the Islamic Republic of Iran is attempting to to incite. Hezbollah to send a hundred thousand missiles from the north into 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 Israel and from and from the um, from from the east uh, into into Israel. A, a Muslim was killed the other day outside of Jerusalem when a when a Hamas rocket fell there. And the last time it, it, Hamas started sending their rockets in, in 2021 in a big barrage of five thousand. I mean, one of them was aimed at Jerusalem, like. I mean, it's just this stuff is in, this stuff is absolutely absolutely incomprehensible, and I I think there are all these um, political people around the world uh, that are arsonists that are um, and and the and the moment of historic peace. And, and by the way, um, uh, I, I've talked to most of these leaders in that in that part of the world. I know what they say and I know what they think, and um, no one cares more about uh, peace uh, in 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 the Middle East um, than those who those who live in the in the region um, but it is not a region that can exist um, with terrorism you know this this way and and I, I just I just don't know but you know I'm a Christian I hate war 
but we have something called just war theory. When there are certain circumstances where you have to engage in conflict in order to save people's lives, to pursue, to pursue, um, to pursue justice. And, um, and, and here's what I think is going to happen. I actually think the extremists are on their last gasp. And I think what's going to happen is I, I think, um, I think what can happen in this circumstance is, um, is many of these extremists can be their part of the equation can be taken out of the, out of the equation. And we can, um, make the space for, for other Arabs and other Muslims uh, and Christians and Jews and other states all around the world to chart a, a different path. Because what happened in the last week, aside from it being um, the horrific, uh, incomprehensible massacre, anti-Semitic massacre it was, if you look at the materials, they went hunting Jews. Even when they killed the Bedouins, they thought they were Jews, if you listen to some of the stuff at the, at the beginning. That's what happened. It's about killing people. Um, but but I, I, in, my, in my opinion, um, we're facing a moment of choosing not only in how to respond in this, in this circumstance, but what happens, what happens afterwards. And the Palestinian Authority, for instance, um, has, a, has a really, really important opportunity now to distinguish themselves from, from the Hamas saboteurs. The, the the Arab countries um, you know, in, in the neighborhood have, have a really, really wonderful opportunity to demonstrate that business isn't as usual. The, the Israelis have a really, really wonderful opportunity if they can eradicate uh, this, this threat to build a, 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 different, a different future. And the international community um, better change course because, what, because the, the truth is um, we have... Uh, we've thrown gasoline on this on this terrorist fire uh, by decisions that have been that have been made. Um, so I, that's, and I'm just angry. Robert Cooper, um, America is not headed in the right direction, in my assessment, in terms of how this is being discussed, at least in the discourse online. What can we do? in America, where are we at and where are we headed? Well, it's no secret, although, um, even before this podcast, that we know that the American social and political uh, discourse is broken. Uh, you have, um, especially now with the 2024 election coming up, but even, even before, everything has been weaponized. Every discussion, a lot of decisions I thought that were being made early on in the, in the Biden presidency was sort of like, well, if Trump said A, I have to say B. And, uh, you know, Trump would come back and say, well, what do you expect? These guys are et cetera, et cetera. Where we don't have a lot of discussions going on. Everything is now in absolute terms. I think social media has a lot to do with it because you can say what you want and no accountability, uh, you know, whatsoever. But I do think it's a worthwhile uh, effort, and I think your organization has a role to play. We have to claw ourselves back here in America so we have some middle ground so we can actually talk and disagree. Now, forget about before we can agree. 
It's interesting about uh, USERF, this uh, commission that I'm on. It's mandated by Congress. There are nine commissioners, three from the president and two each from the Democrat, Republican, Senate, and House leadership. But they're mandated by law to act in a bipartisan way. And we may be the last of the Mohegans, okay? But it's very interesting because the people who are chosen, you know, have a life. We don't have to be doing this. We choose to do it because we think, we feel as Americans, maybe to some way, you know, we have a list of 2,000 people who are in jail around the world because of their religious beliefs. We help to get uh, a guy out of, uh, a Coptic Christian out of jail in, in, uh, uh, in Egypt. Um, there's so much that needs to be done, and Americans, younger Americans, need to rediscover their bipartisan um, at least on human rights, they're bi bipartisan muscles, which have almost completely atrophied. I grew up in the 20th century, late 20th century, during the Cold War. You know, the Jews of the Soviet Union, three million of them, had no future, no chance of er ever getting out. And a big piece of uh, what eventually helped lead uh, to the demise of the Soviet Union, nobody could have predicted it, but what I saw as a young person with people of different faiths, of both political parties, thinking about a guy like Sharansky who's you know, locked away in the gulag, and saying, what's the difference what political party we are? There's somebody out there that we think we can help because we're Americans, we might be able to leverage. I think at least when it comes to the area, human rights, when it comes to the area, making sure everybody in America could you know, be fed, Three or four areas, we know what the hot-button issues are. Even if you put that aside, uh, and I think churches and synagogues and mosques have an important role to play there, which is to teach your membership, you know, when it comes to these kinds of issues, um, as long as you're not required to put aside your own identity, you have to put your shoulder to the wheel to get the, the car out of, out of the mud. Otherwise, we're, we're all going to be stuck there. So I... I think that, um, and there's plenty of blame to go around about between the syndrome on Trump and his big mouth where he, he never fails, you know, to create a missed opportunity that where none existed before. Yeah, we're, we're in a lot of trouble that way. But I, I think that um, thoughtful people who are looking beyond the numbers that they're getting based on... Uh, you know, a really clever tweet that maybe bends the truth a little bit. It may not be truthful at all, just for the fun of it. We need to sort of take back, we need to help forge the space that will allow for discussion and debate, not even joint projects, just the place where we can actually do that. I think that um, that your your group can play a significant role in doing it, and you know that the Museum of Tolerance, our educational arm, is in, and, um, and, and uh, you know, Reverend Moore is, you know, one of my um, young heroes. It's true I don't like him that much because he's half my age. But, uh, you know, he's shown great heroism, um, you know, in Africa and fearlessness in speaking to MBS when he's with him um, and, and just trying to um, create opportunities for the good with our eyes wide open. That's the other piece of this is... You mentioned it before. We don't need kumbaya. We can't afford kumbaya. It's not, it doesn't go anywhere. We need to create a space 
where young people are taught to grow up a little bit and um, you know, sit back and listen to the other side and see if from that there could be particular projects that we can work together. It may be in slow motion, but I, I don't see any other option. I don't think that you two gentlemen would have any hesitation to talk about um, what the Palestinians are going through right now. No, I, I mean, I literally, three weeks ago, I told a friend of mine uh, how much I wanted to visit Gaza. I literally told someone three weeks ago, I really want to go to Gaza. I don't know if I would be safe in Gaza, but I really want to go to Gaza. I mean, there will be an opportunity for when this terrible, when this terrible moment is, is finished, um, to envision a future where, you know, Gaza should have been uh, Dubai. Uh, we, we should have in the Holy Land um, Jews, Christians, Muslims, people of all faiths, every time some religious leader wants to weaponize religion to divide the world, that should be the place that we go on the authority of the place alone and say, not on our, not on our watch. And yet it seems in this, in this conversation, there's uh, and not our conversation here, but generally there's so little talked about the future. It's all, it's all about, it's all about the past. And I, I understand that. Um, I, 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 I totally understand that. But I think having the discipline to have a vision of the future. And one of the things I'm praying for is I'm praying for, for young leaders all across uh, that part of the world um, to, uh, to have a vision for what, uh, for what the future can be and then have the courage to step out from the pack and make it and make it possible. Um, uh, and Reverend, I, 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 Reverend, Reverend Moore, sorry to cut you off, but as, <clears throat> as part of that thought and part of that vision, how do we get to a point in which there's stability and security so that we don't have to see more bombs dropped, more civilians killed? Any, I don't want to see this story anymore. You know, I'm, I'm like sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing this. And, and, and it goes across the board. Like, I don't want to see innocent lives taken, kids maimed and murdered. Mm. At the same time, you know, how do you, like, like you said about, you know, having Gaza flourish, like how do you bring the barbed wire down and the walls down and the surveillance down and have people kind of be able to kind of dictate their own lives and their own resources. You know, these are the types of things that I think are important to human dignity. I want those things too. And so how you, as, as men who have been to these places, how do you get there? And I want to see that in my lifetime. I, I may be ignorant to believe that, but I think through like human discourse and this desire, you guys are incredible prominent individuals. Um, you have access to statesmen. How do you get people on the same page? So, so you have Beirut, Haifa, Tel Aviv, and then 40 miles south of Tel Aviv, same sand, same Mediterranean, is Gaza. In 2005, it was handed back to uh, the local people there to you know, build their future. Unfortunately, their future was, was hijacked by the people who turn out to be the monsters uh, that they are. 
So we, we'll have to figure out a way to get beyond. But I just want to share with you last week, I had a series of interviews during the course of the week, uh, especially with reporters from Europe. And there was one reporter from FA, that's the Spanish like AP. She was in, I think, Paris. And I'll, I'll paraphrase, but she basically, and she was honest. She said, look, I'm a supporter of the Palestinian cause. But I didn't sign on for this. That's basically the kind of reaction we would have hoped to hear from a lot of people, Palestinians among them, but also the, in terms of the international community. So here's how the United Nations Human Rights Council responded. Okay? They had a moment of silence for the Palestinians. Meant because when you have China and Russia and the others who are only there in order to block their human rights abuses from being exposed. You have all sorts of lunacy that takes place. At the end, of, look, Israelis have learned, a Jewish world, we learn how to deal with that. But in the end, the ones who really suffer are the Palestinians. Because a lot of people say, well, if they're not even recognizing what happened, maybe it's true what, the, what Hamas is saying. They didn't do this. The Israelis did it. The aliens did it. Anybody else uh, uh, but them. What is tragic and what is uh, extremely worrisome, whether we're talking about Berlin or we're talking about the greater New York area or London uh, or, or France, the explosion again of, of pure anti-Semitism by supporters of Hamas, uh, by um, demands that universities across the United States give uh, these groups an opportunity to endorse what is a, you know, the textbook list of crimes against humanity. It, 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 no other group would have the audacity to say something like that. And where university presidents and academics uh, correctly, I think, spoke out uh, on behalf of the people of Ukraine, for example, um, on Black Lives Matter, for example. Academics are supposed to be on the cutting edge. Here, generally speaking, crickets or worse. And that's also one of the uh, arenas that we're going to have to figure out a way how to correct because the state of Israel, the people of Israel right now are in a terrible state of trauma. Uh, mm -hmm. That trauma is not going to go away, even if, please God, they'll be successful in rooting out the terrorists. And for them to begin to come back to where you want to get to, um, there, we always hear uh, for the last 30, 40 years, confidence building measures for peace in the Middle East. And that's always, but guess what? Israelis and Jews are going to need some confidence building measures when they're not coming back to the table so fast. But I will say that I don't want to overstate the importance of the Muslim coalition for America. But what attracted me from the very first conversation is it's not about politics. It's about reminding each other that we have common bonds that run very deep spiritually, in the fact that we're also all Americans. Uh, there are big problems here at home. There might be some opportunities uh, you know, uh, globally. And um, whatever we can do to, to break down stereotypes, I'll just finish with one, one vignette. After 9-11, and after what happened to the Australian tourists in Indonesia and everything else that 
so many Jewish people came to me, including people I pray with every weekend. You know, you can't really trust those Muslims, can you? And I would say, well, depends which Muslims. I had the opportunity to get to know President Wahid of Indonesia. Turns out he was an amazing scholar of all three religions. He knew more about Judaism than most of the people who were sitting next to me in the synagogue. As someone that unfortunately died uh, too early, small, heading up a small group of what, 60 million back then, maybe 90 million today. An incredible uh, religious Muslim moderate um, who could stand his own in any theological discourse with any cardinal, any rabbi, any imam. And we are seeing certain good signs, I think, from, from Indonesia, the world's largest uh, uh, Muslim country. Um, so, but I'm lucky. I mean, I've had the opportunity to meet people. And remember, I always carry this every day. It's said in the name, supposedly, of Joseph Stalin. One death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. We need to be able to bring our kids to the point, even on social media where they can see anything, to hold up the face of another individual, to begin down a path that has uh, understanding and maybe Sunday um, empathy. If we stick to the statistics, we're screwed. Nothing is going to ever change. But one of the great uh, tragedies of the Holy Land is that Palestinians and Jews there do know each other. And I brought up, like with business people, left to their own, per you know, they would all go out and do and make. But when you talk about uh, the, the environment, especially as it's uh, unfortunately been poisoned in the UNRWA schools, there is leverage. Japan, you know, just now their TBS network just had the daughter of one of the people who was a mass murderer on the TBS is what one of their two or three, uh, you know, best known national networks. Uh, they give a ton of money to UNRWA. They give some money. It, and when you speak to them, they sort of, you know, you well, you know, we have to do it because we want to be players and uh, but not anything deep enough. Germany, Japan, France, UK, US, Canada. If they got to, forget about it, you don't need any Jews. If they got together some um, uh, teachers, took a look at the curriculum and say, you know what, we're going to put the money in a pot. We're going to hold it. You guys come up with your own uh, ministry of education. Forget about UNRWA. It doesn't exist anymore. We'll pay for the education. Show us that you're creating a peace uh, uh, curriculum and not a war curriculum. Unless we find people who are prepared to do that and the international community is ready to back it, not just with muscle but with cash, I don't know. I, I can't really see anything changing. Um, I'll add a short, uh, a short answer. Um, it doesn't take a lot of leaders to make a big difference. It just takes a couple who have the courage to speak and, in, and to act. But speaking isn't enough. And in my limited life experience, in my conversations with lots of people, they know what the right thing to do is. They just choose not to do it. 
So the Arab countries need to start saying publicly what they say privately. Make peace with Israel anyhow in exchange for uh, participating in the rebuilding of, of Gaza. If you are a Muslim, a Christian, a Jew, if you're Baha'i, if whatever you are, stand together in, in defiance of the hatred uh, every chance you can get. If you're an individual politician, don't shut up at the EU or in the United States of America until the policy changes. If you're sitting in Washington, D.C. right now and you realize all your policy failed and it, and it contributed to, to a lack of deterrence in the region, don't get on national television and give talking points. Say, we messed up and here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing now. And so whether it's at the local level or the political level or whatever, we know what to do. We just don't always have the courage uh, to do it. You know, the, if I if I was in the Israeli leadership now, and I was looking at the videos that I've seen, a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor, she survived the Holocaust, she was shot in the head, okay? Little children, 10 children tied together and then burned alive while people watched. Hostages burned alive while people laughed. If I were the Israeli leadership, I, I don't know that I would be dropping flyers from the sky and sending text messages and begging and pleading despite Hamas's disinformation. You know, every time the Israelis issued a move, get out of this place, is it Hamas issued, issued a don't believe it again and again and again. It, there would be a point where I would just like, you know, I, I, it, my family, as, as a Jewish, I'm not Jewish, but if I were Jewish and my number one responsibility, you know, post-Holocaust was to, to make sure this didn't happen again, I'm not, I'm not sure I would be, I would have the, I hope I would, but take the time to distribute the flyers and wait a little longer so the bad guys might be able to escape. Even now with the border opening up at the Rafah crossing, for sure Hamas, some Hamas people will slip over that border. Like, but they keep, they keep, they keep doing it, and we need to keep encouraging them to to to, to keep doing those things. And then the and then the Arab countries. I don't know how we can expect, even though they're doing it anyhow. I don't know how we can expect with what I've been to those communities as well. I've I've, I've actually been in the tunnels that that they first dug to try to do this years ago, and failed. Um, I don't know how I could be expected if I lost my entire family targeted as, as just because they came to kill civilians. They came to target regular everyday people. I don't know that I could be expected to provide um, humanitarian assistance and water and all of these things. It's the right thing to do. I don't know that I, I don't know that that's I, the trauma of what I've seen not being Jewish in the last in the last couple of days, but there's no excuse for the Arab countries to not immediately respond. To, and, and Israel will let them do it, and the international community will 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 let them let them do it. And I think these are the layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of complexity. I hate that Palestinian civilians um, are 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 dying. Um, some of those are Christians, Arab Christians that stay in Gaza, um, hold up in churches. Uh, that, thank God that, that uh, they've been okay. 
but I don't, I, you can blame Israel for a lot in the past. It's a democratic country, policies come and go, governments come and go. Some of those are good policies, some of those are bad policies. But for me, this is a different, this is a different situation all, all together. Um, and I, I just think that that is, um, that is important. I also think that um, a lot of these, these proud Arab countries um, who are friends of mine, um, the last thing they should do is let Iran and Hamas terrorists sabotage the future of the region when they were on the precipice of, of, of peace. Because, because I do believe um, that if the corruption can be eradicated, um, there's, more, there's more trust between the Israelis and between the Emiratis and the Bahrainis and the Saudis, even though they don't have peace, then there is trust between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Like this is a prime moment for very, very strong leaders to step up and say, we'll become part of the solution, not part of the problem. This is not 1948 or 1967 or whatever. This is 2023. And, and in the meantime, um, we can't let, we can't let the world see Christians talking to Christians and Muslims talking to Muslims and Jews talking, talking to Jews and others talking, Democrats talking to Democrats, Republicans talking to Republicans. We have to, we have to come together. I mean, one of the things I envision doing as quickly as I possibly can is taking an interfaith um, delegation to Israel um, and, uh, and going to Haifa, the most diverse pluralistic city in the country um, and, and standing up and, in solidarity and saying we're not going to have a future that pits Muslims and Jews and Christians and everybody else against against one another and to pray for what what comes afterwards. Um, uh, but I but I I'm I'm sorry I just I just uh, I see one perpetrator um, of of crimes now and that's that is Hamas. Um, but my Israeli friends, um, uh, every single moment of every single day. They're, make, they're facing moral choices as to how um, they make sure this doesn't happen again. And that is, their, that is their, their responsibility, and we all expect them to fulfill it. I, thank you, Reverend Moore. I, 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 too, hope we can get them out of the way. And so we can, you know, the adults can start to have a conversation around what's next. I hope that we can get to a point in our lives where we can stop playing uh, sort of this collective punishment football, you know, when we're having these sort of overarching conversations of all X is bad and all Y is bad, you know, all Israelis and all Palestinians and all Muslims and all Jews and all Christians. I think this is extremely damning and damaging for society. And I think this is the thing that I think we need to kind of continue to to kind of fight against. And I think this, this is sort of a, this is a form of extremism that I think plagues all of us. And I think we see it on, on, on Twitter. I think that's a nice cross section of how bad things are. Um, and I, you know, and I, and I told Omar, it's like, I, 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 I refuse. I don't, I do not accept this as, as our, you know, current state, you know, <clears throat> here, here we go again, look at the Muslims. They say that they're peace loving and so on. So I think that's just not okay. We need to do a better job. And I, and I hope, you know, and I, I respect you immensely. I hope we can collectively, together, we can kind of do something better. Um, I do want the, the international community, I want, I want there to be, I want there to be, there to be laws in place to protect people in that, in that extremely volatile space. 
Israel and Palestine needs to figure this out. You know, this is not okay. Whatever has been happening up till now has been not okay. This is, this is just very clear to everybody. We cannot go back to the status quo. We cannot go back to how things were. Um, and I don't, you know, like you, I, I am devastated to see innocent uh, perish. I, am, I cannot stomach the people use Islam's name to conduct themselves in this way. It is absolutely disgusting. And I do not want to see Muslims also treated uh, inhumanely as if we are uh, worthless, you know? And I, and I think that's something that's just not acceptable and it should not be acceptable as Christians. I don't want to be a Muslim allowing Muslims to treat Jews and, Mus and, and Christians as worthless human beings. This is not acceptable. Um, and so I think we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And so I ask everybody internationally and domestically that we have to do something for the Palestinian people as well. If we cannot have the conversation around Israel's peace uh, and security without dealing with this matter immediately um, and getting rid of anyone who's corrupt, anyone who's unable to be uh, any dishonest actors cannot be part of this conversation anymore, cannot. Yeah, and I think the adults need to be in the room and make it make a, a decisive decision and just clear the road. That's it. It's not something I've said to anyone, um, but you know what scares me the most, what breaks my heart the most, is because in this circumstance, it's so uh, given everything that's happened, which we've recounted here, um, the sense of justice inside of my heart demands that I speak. Yet what scares me the most is after spending. Um, 10 years of my life and more building relationships with Muslim leaders all across the Middle East, working as hard as I possibly can to facilitate peace, being the best Christian friend of, 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 of Muslims in many, many countries around the world, that, that the terrorist will have succeeded and the Islamic Republic would have succeeded in, in making and um, killing those conversations that I won't get the invitation to go sit down with the Minister of Islamic Affairs because, because the terrorist succeeded in dividing us, dividing us once again. And, and that, is, that is why I think it's, it's just so incredibly important um, that apart from what's happening there, um, that we still continue to move in the, in the direction of pre-October 7. Um, not everyone go grab their grievances in this next chapter and their distrust and all of these things. Um, and, and, uh, that we, that we proceed, we, we proceed together because what, what just crushes me, um, is, is the thought that, um, that those opportunities for all of us that love peace, um, and work towards peace and build these bridges, um, might actually be destroyed. Uh, in this in this moment, and I think that's the beauty of the conversation we've had today. We've demonstrated that at least amongst us around this table, um, that is not not the case. Uh, but the leaders all around the world um, have much more influence than we do. They have to make the same the same decision, and they got to make it now. I'm going to add to that, Johnny. The one of the objectives of these terrorist organizations is absolutely to divide us, but it's also to have us descend into global religious warfare. The type of apocalyptic vision of Christian Muslim religious warfare, that it's religion on religion in an existential way, or Jewish versus Muslim. 
And we cannot be drawn into that. We cannot be drawn into that. These types of temptations, unfortunately, are gaining ground. The divisions are gaining ground right now. And people thinking that we even had a United States senator recently say that we are in a religious war. We're not. Yeah, that's, We're not. It's very dangerous. Some might argue whether Hamas is even in, uh, because they don't have religious authority, but if they have sincerely held, let's just say that for the Hamas members that have sincerely held religious beliefs, that they are engaged in a religious war. That's one party that is engaged in a religious war. We are not in a religious war. We cannot let them draw us into this apocalyptic vision of a global religious war among the sons of Abraham. Um, and that, that's something that we cannot let happen in our generation. We will not be the generation that actually loses the most when it comes to the relationships and the harmony and at least even the effort among the Abrahamic faiths. Um, one other thought that I just think is important for Muslims to understand. The U.S. Army Counterterrorism Research Center at West Point quantified the casualties of Muslim terrorist networks, radical Islamic terrorist networks, and quantified that over 90% of the casualties by Muslims. Muslim terrorist networks are Muslims themselves. And so yeah. what I call upon for those Muslims in America right now who can't find it in them, whether it's the courage to just say that Hamas is evil and what they did is not allowed no matter what, or they are tacitly endorsing what Hamas did and are okay with it and couching it in their minds as the resistance of the least, the less fortunate or the, you know, the people who have less money and less equipped. There is a false perception that by supporting a terrorist network like Hamas, you are simply supporting organizations that are Muslims versus the evil white colonialists or whatever vision they have in their minds. You are supporting the death and destruction of Muslims over 90% of the time when you give any type of support, sentimental, material, or otherwise, to these Muslim organizations that are engaged in terrorism and nothing more. Um, and it is in the interests of the people who might hate us, Kaser, uh, the enemies of, of all Muslims. Uh, it is in their interests for these terrorist networks to be able to be normalized in the minds of more Muslims around the world. And I think that we are, as Muslims ourselves, are in an existential fight for our religion. And we can't give an inch to these people. And so, like Johnny, I'm done trying to reason there there's how much reasoning can there be and how much dialogue can there be around condemning organizations like Hamas and Al-Qaeda that kill innocent people I I just um I worry about the direction America is going in I think I think part of that is <clears throat> in order for us to have peace we need to have stability I think at the end of the day these people who are not sus subscribing to any of this just want to be able to take their kids to school they want to raise families yeah. They want to have a happy life. And that's what it comes down to. But going back to sort of the original point before we got into this point, which Reverend Moore was 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 hitting upon, and I think you were talking about too, was was religious war. And I think I think it came from you actually. 
people have no authority to be able to declare any of this. And, and you know what religious war translates into Arabic? Jihad. So if you have a Senator Lindsey Graham going on Capitol Hill, declaring whether you say in English or he declared jihad that day, and people are morally outraged when there's some random on Twitter or anybody saying the words jihad, you have to be equally outraged <clears throat> when people are preconceiving the annihilation or the end of times, um, whether Christian, Jewish, Muslim, it is not your call. In Islam, yeah. we say that there, there are many things, um, one being the most, the, the, in, the, the, most uh, uh, the, the thing that you cannot uh, be the most decisive of or not understand when it happens is the end of time. You do not know your death. You, cannot, you are not God. You cannot then say when everybody, when the, when, when the end of times are near or when everything is coming to the end. I don't know what people's fascination is. Life is great. Go touch some grass, enjoy, enjoy your families, uh, uh, live and enjoy what God has given to you. That is, that is the, this is how you show your appreciation for the life that you have been given. You don't need to sit here and count the beads and try to figure out, is this the end of time? Should we declare it now? I don't care what your faith is. So I think we need to just yeah, change our perspective. Say, we have the same thing. Yeah, I mean, we have the same thing uh, in, in, the, in the Christian New Testament. In fact, we're commanded not to speculate about those about those things. And I, um, but I, I, I totally agree. The one thing um, that those who want to divide us want to do is to make this about about religion. Um, and uh, one of the most incredible things that happened amidst all of this chaos um, is when the Secretary of State, um, shuttling all around uh, the region. You know, trying to um, trying to manage all of this, uh, and he's someone I pray for. I can't imagine having having his job, um, but he took the time to go to the Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi. So he's going from head of state to head of state, shuttling back and forth, trying to make sense of this. And yet, uh, he took an hour out of his schedule amidst this chaos, and he went to the one place that I know about in the world. We're on the same piece of land. You have a synagogue a church, and a mosque. And, um, and I've been there many times. I was there the day it opened, in fact. And he, um, there's this place where you can put your, um, your ambition, your desire, uh, and then you can put it up on the wall. And he wrote there um, to be uh, light in the darkness. Uh, and, he, and he put it on the wall. And I, and I think in all of our um, uh, conditions and religions and nationalities and languages and all of these things this is a choice that we all that we all can do uh, and we're not going to agree all the time on everything and uh, particularly when it comes to politics um, but what we can agree upon is that we're going to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem and even when we disagree we do it in a way um, that is a model uh, a model for others and I just happen to believe there are more of those people um, than there are of the bad of the bad guys. But I do think there's some very, very powerful people that feel that way in their heart, um, but they haven't had yet the courage to say it out loud. And it's actually uh, because of fear. And so the terrorists win. The extremists and all religions win. If they can cause you to be afraid, that's the one thing that they want. Um, but most of the time, uh, when people just say uh, 
what people feel inside their hearts. Um, they find that there's a crowd waiting for one leader to have the courage to do the right thing at the right time. And the beautiful thing about being a light in the darkness is you don't have to be a head of state or some big, powerful, powerful person to do that. Uh, it's something that we all have the power to do uh, every, every every single day. You know, I recognize that most, most Muslims in the world are um, as disgusted as we are with what happened. Uh, and it makes their life much more difficult. I, I, I saw in my own community, I was taking my daughter to ballet this weekend, and I ran into several several Muslims. And I thought they must have a. It must be very very difficult for them today with where I live, because people are looking at them, uh, looking at them differently. And that causes me that causes me pain. And then just when somebody like me like says I have a point of view when it comes to um, comes to the state of Israel for all kinds of different reasons, but that doesn't mean I'm any less an enemy of peace. It's the exact opposite. When the embassy, when the United States government moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, uh, one of the first things I did was reach privately out to Palestinian uh, friends of mine, and I asked for a private meeting uh, to discuss how we could, leaders make decisions. I happen to support that decision, but leaders make decisions. I didn't make the decision, even though I supported the decision. Um, but we could sit down and talk about how we make sure this doesn't uh, and, um, and in that case, and it's part of my angst in this whole issue, um, they refuse to meet with me. Um, uh, and I, and I think, I think we can't be a part of any resistance, um, whatsoever. You know, we have to engage, uh, even if it's secretly, even if it's privately. Um, and that's, that's another way of being a light, uh, being a light in the, in the darkness. It's very easy to throw flames on the fire. <laughs> very the easiest thing in the world. Um, it doesn't take much water to put it out. Uh, it just seems like no one's looking for a bucket. <laughs> and, and uh, uh, you know, that, that's something we all can do. Well, I thought we should all get together and just have a candid conversation. Um, and I haven't seen much of this out there since this war started uh, with Christians, Jews and Muslims just coming together and having a conversation and going into it, knowing that we're gonna disagree on things. But we all are the sons of Abraham, the sons and daughters of Abraham. And so um, why don't we pray together as well? Because we believe in the same God and I am uh, not a religious authority. Uh, I think the Reverend outranks me when it comes to uh, things like prayer, um, but I'll just say what I pray for. And then uh, I would ask you to as well, Reverend Moore and, and Kaser, um, I, I pray for God to grant paradise to the victims who were murdered since October 7th, the innocent Israelis who were murdered, everybody who you mentioned, Johnny, I think you said 47 nations, 27 Americans among the murdered. I pray for the hostages who are in a state um, that I can't uh, uh, imagine what it would be like that we have no idea what they're going through right now. I pray that they be rescued. I pray for all of the lives that are going to be lost in the coming days. I pray for the safety of the Palestinian people. Uh, I pray that someone opens the door for them and gives them a way out of Gaza during this war. Um, I pray for um, the innocent Israeli civilians and the state of Israel and the Palestinian people to come to a future of peace 
after the smoke settles from this. And if the destruction of Hamas creates that space, then God willing, the status quo is not going to be returned to, as you said, Kaser, and we can get to a different place. I also pray for America, first and foremost, that we don't descend here. And um, we do not merely absorb the negative influences that keep chasing everybody in the world from, from this volatile region. Um, I hope that we can insulate ourselves and be Americans and not lose our moral compass. That's what worries me the most, that a human being with a soul uh, in our Abrahamic faiths, that they don't lose their moral compass such that their hearts can no longer discern and their minds can no longer discern between right and wrong. Yeah, and I, I, I also, you know, I, I pray for all the lives lost, um, and I, I pray for anyone, any, any civilian who's, who's has succumbed to any senseless killing, uh, that they're able to piece their, their lives together again uh, because of, of this, and that we, we don't continue to descend in the spiral of chaos uh, because um, extremist rhetoric and voices on all sides continue to flan, fan the flames and say, you see, we have to continue to go down this path. I think cool minds and hearts should prevail. I hope we can get there sooner than later. This is a really troublesome time. And what I find is even within the United States, I think even before what preceded this is very extreme rhetoric around Trump and Biden and politics and how we're treating each other and what happens in social spaces. I don't like any of it. And I pray that we are able to come back together and have sensible conversation as human beings again. And I hope that gives way to the ability to have resolutions for the Palestinian people. And ultimately that's what's good for the Israeli people. We have to take this head on. We have to acknowledge what's happening to the Palestinians and get anyone who doesn't agree with progress and peace and the stability of the Palestinian people and the safety of the Palestinian people out of the way. Um, and so I think that's what's ultimately best for not only the Palestinians, but the Israelis as well. I hope uh, we can all come together and agree that we need to stop the senseless killing and the suffering. So I, I, I pray for all of those, uh, all of those things as well. Um, in the, in the Bible it says that we're to seek peace and pursue it. And it also says justice, justice, you shall pursue. And I pray that God gives our leaders and all of us the wisdom to do both of those things well. Um, and without God's help, uh, as flawed human beings, we will miscalculate that every, every single time. I pray that, uh, rather than, um, uh, finding, uh, excuses to, uh, distrust one another, that we find opportunities, uh, to serve the world together, to repair the world, world together, that we, uh, outdo one another in showing, showing goodness, uh, and love, love to one another. Um, I, I not only pray, I, I just pray and believe entirely um, that uh, 
what was meant for evil in this circumstance will be used for good uh, in, in the end. I, I am I am asking God to supernaturally save lives, um, whether they're, they're people who are on life support from the attack a week ago in Israel or people uh, in in the Gaza in the Gaza Strip um, who did who didn't ask for this, um, but have found themselves uh, in um, yet yet another um, uh, moment of moment of pain. Um, I'm disappointed that so many of uh, our most powerful leaders in the world lack so little uh, little courage uh, when it comes to bringing people together uh, and just saying what's true doing the right thing. Um, and uh, I, I just uh, pray to God that that is broken off uh, and that that leaders, even while we're having this conversation now, um, that people who have the power to contribute positively or negatively uh, make the decision to do what's right, whether or not it's, it's, it's popular. Um, there's, a, there's a verse in the, uh, in the, in the New Testament um, that says, if you care about the opinions of people, uh, you cannot be a servant of God. Um, and I think we're just totally uh, chained uh, to the opinions of people in the world that we're in, in our own community, and 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 across across the board. And uh, if we're going to serve God, um, uh, we need to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And um, and uh, Jesus says, uh, um, uh, "Blessed are the peacemakers." And they shall be called God's uh, children. And um, I just I pray that all over the world, God gives us more of those uh, of those of those people. Um, and uh, and I, I I will thank God uh, with gratitude uh, for the conversation that we've had uh, today because this is this is part of the solution uh, in, a, in a time where it's very easy to be part of the problem. Yeah.